This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk Podcast, episode 98. In this episode, it's another interview, and we are interviewing Tom and Lenny. These guys uh, have a pedigree about them. They are fantastic. Uh, Lenny was the CIO of Katy School District in Texas for a while. He then went on to be the CIO of Houston School District, 233,000 kids. Can you imagine that? Former board member of COSIN as well. And Tom, he is on the Council of Great City Schools. He is a current board member of COSIN, and they're, uh, he is leaving them. They're kicking him off, as he says, this year because he has term limited it out. And he is the former CIO of Albuquerque Schools. Um, Mark, where have we also heard about Albuquerque? So if this is the first time you're listening to us, we recommend actually starting one episode ago with the interview with the superintendent of Albuquerque Public Schools, Scott Elder. And he will set the stage for tonight's episode. So if you have not listened to that last episode, we recommend pausing right now, going back and checking that one out. And then come back and listen to this interview because it's a really good duo. And uh, we'll talk about the third episode coming up later. And share, we didn't mention this last week, but share us with your friends. We've got a crazy amount of traction on episode 97 with that interview with Scott from Albuquerque. Uh, Share us with your friends, your meeting groups. That's the way this uh, podcast grows, and I think the feedback we have gotten, especially on the last episode, has been outstanding. We hope you learn something from it, and if you do, please share it with individuals that you think might learn something from it. Um, Chris, do you want to talk about what we talk about or what they're going to hear going into this episode tonight? I just would say, as you're listening to these guys, um, check yourself and check your department. Uh, There's some things that get said about Oh, uh, if you don't want to get a pen test because you want to or you don't want to share the results, that kind of stuff. Uh, some of that stigma that comes from like a third party checking out your network. Um, it's good to hear all the reasons of why you should do things to get the conversation started. Uh, going off of last episode to this, if 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 tech people want this to not be a tech problem, uh, we have to start doing things to make it be seen as a bigger picture. And that was my um, pride check today. I, I think I need to humble myself and do that scan and let the results be seen by others. I think the the phrase or the, the quote that I took away the most from this episode was Lenny's quote, please tell me my baby's ugly or, or something along those lines. I want you to tell me my baby's ugly when talking about, you know, IT directors and CIOs think of their networks as their baby. His stance is, tell me where I can get better. Tell me how ugly my baby is. The uglier the baby, the better. Right, exactly. Any, and that any... is the title of tonight's show, <laughs> Ugly Babies. <laughs> no, I think the title, we're going to, how about we go with, uh, please tell me my baby is ugly. Or we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, so, yeah, here's the interview. Uh, go back and listen to 97 if you haven't. Uh, shoot us an email. Find us on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. Give us a share. We appreciate you listening. We are here tonight with Tom Ryan, 
and Lenny Shad to continue our conversation from last week with the CIO, or excuse me, the superintendent of Albuquerque Public Schools. Uh, and actually, Tom Ryan, I'll start with Tom, is very instrumental in bringing all these folks together for this three-part series. So why don't I give you guys the floor for a couple minutes. Tell us about your background and, and what you brought what brought you to, to here tonight. Okay, Lenny, perfect. Yep, I'll get us started. Uh, thanks for for asking us here. Um, you know, cybersecurity is such an important topic, so it's it's. I'm, I'm really impressed that you're kind of putting this to the forefront. So, my name's Lenny Shad. I was the chief information officer for the Katy Independent School District down in Houston. It's a suburb uh, in Houston. They were about sixty thousand kids when I was there. Um, I moved from Katy down to Houston ISD. I was the CIO in Houston. And for a portion of my, my tenure there, I was also the COO of Houston. Uh, and so very familiar with, um, transformational initiatives, one to one. Um, we were doing all of that kind of work when I was there. I left Houston in 2019. Um, and I, I'm working for district administration. Um, I, I work with superintendents and IT leaders across the country. Um, I'm a former board member of COSIN, a former board member of IMS Global, and I'm just really pleased to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Cool. Thank you. you. Know, with that introduction, I don't know if I should even say anything because he's, he's, he's a pretty amazing guy. Um, I have been working with the Council of Great City Schools for uh, like 25 years. Uh, the last 15 or so, I've led the the senior investigator for IT reviews, where we go in and look at the operational IT infrastructure, leadership alignment with instruction, and, and kind of give a current state assessment for, for CIOs. And I also have helped run the CIO conferences uh, that they do. These are large urban school districts across across the country. Um, also, as Mark mentioned, a, a board member with COSIN, um, and I've been with them for 15 years. They're kicking me to the curb at this uh, next uh, conference in Austin. I've reached my term limit, so I'm I'm being uh, let go, and it's been a great opportunity to meet a lot of people across the country. In fact, um, have had some great conversations with people like Mark and other CIOs. Like Mark said, we've got a listserv that we put together and a and uh, a Friday call, just uh, it's kind of interesting. Mark will give a, a call out and say, oh, my gosh, this application is down. And the people on the on the uh, West Coast haven't even got up yet. And it's all oh, thank Mark for letting me know I could be prepared by the time they got to my classroom. So it's been a when the uh, when COVID <laughs> first started, it came in from the Northwest. And so we were getting all of the information. What are they doing? How is it impacting? What? And so we were really prepared as it started to move across the country. So it's been a a great resource uh, for us. I was also the CIO for 11 years with the Albuquerque Public Schools, um, retired from from that system, and then worked the last five years at the uh, Santa Fe Public Schools through the, the COVID crisis uh, with our schools. Because I've had an opportunity to meet with a lot of people, um, Lenny and I have gotten together and started this K-12 Strategic Technology Advisory Group. And we work with school districts across the country, leadership development, uh, doing presentations about cybersecurity awareness, IT reviews, and uh, uh, some leadership mentoring and roadmap development. So we've had a, a great opportunity to take the experiences that we've had in the K-12 environment and move it into uh, an opportunity to help folks develop their IT strategies in the districts. Mark, Tom has did been you since CSOL 
like when that thing went down did you send that in that group that was in the group yep yep no i i'm usually on the east coast so i wake up and find the problems first and then send it to the group Mm -hmm. and then the west coast districts by the time they wake up and get to school everything's been solved so yeah i thought thought you were gonna say the west coast fixes the problems that you find well, no, by the time they wake up, you know, these outages, when we have these major outages. So it's it's helpful, and Tom has really been instrumental in bringing us together. And, and I've known Tom for, for 10 years, and, and I can honestly say that, you know, there are a lot of folks out there that give advice and, and say, here's what you should be doing. Well, Tom has been leading on both sides, both leading at the district level, but also saying at this national level, here's what we need to do. So i'm super appreciative of tom and and uh and, and my whole team is actually it's he's been able to come into our district and help us out in person so where is mark racine and, and who are you because usually it's just a bunch of grief i get from you so i'm not sure what to do with the compliment yeah i'm trying to behave tonight doing, <laughs> doing yeah, we have a code here yeah we, we put We're professional yeah yeah yeah, it, yeah. We don't we don't drink bourbon or anything during the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last, I, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to last week's episode uh, with Scott from Albuquerque, uh, but it, we had a blast with Scott. It, we we felt like it was a really good interview. The feedback that we've received online has been fantastic. What what kind of lessons learned, or what what kind of um, takeaways do you guys have from that interview? Or incidents like the the LA Unified incident that happened a couple months ago. Um, what are what do you see as big takeaways for that for schools? Lenny, why don't you talk about LAUSD for a sec? You know, one of one of the things, and, and we see this a lot in the IT reviews that we do, um, is the, the the districts are really struggling with rogue IT. Uh, and 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 when when we look at some of the things coming out of LA. Uh, it's something that I think district IT departments have to pay attention to. Now, rogue IT, it, it isn't that these people have bad intentions, right? It's that people are trying to get their jobs done, you know, video cameras, people are trying to get video cameras up for safety and security. And so it's not that anybody's intentionally trying to do, do something wrong, but they aren't the experts. And when we think about avenues that cybersecurity um, is, is, is really under attack, it's these areas of rogue IT where they're not putting best practices in place, right? Um, Tom and I have talked a lot about this that, you know, up until about a year ago, when it came to cybersecurity, it was always convenience first, and then we'll worry about security. And I think rogue IT is a great example of convenience first, right? Well, IT, they might be the department of no, or they might be a roadblock. So we're just going to go create our own little version of IT to get our job done. And I think it's a matter of really stopping and saying, we've got to now switch our mentality to say it has to be security first, and convenience will be something we'll think about later. Yeah, I, I know several IT directors that have been called roadblocks um, and Dr. No, uh, to, to steal a, a phrase from from James Bond. So, yeah, that, you know, it's it's unfortunate we, we, get, we do get that moniker at times. But what people don't realize is there's a reason behind that. And I guess we have to do a better job of explaining that reason. Um, so how, you know, okay, so first off, off script question, how do you do a better job of explaining that rationale of being Dr. No or being that roadblock? How do you help faculty or building administrators 
understand the why behind the no? Well, you know, I think I think we have to change the narrative around cybersecurity. And, and what I mean by that is I think people have become numb to cybersecurity is a big problem. You know, the number of districts being hit. I think they've they've become numb to it. So I think we have to change the narrative around cybersecurity to really talk about consequences, right? And I think we have to help under, help people understand what this landscape is. Um, if everybody understood what the risk landscape looked like, why are we still having phishing explosions going all around in school systems, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people really understand this landscape. So I think we change the narrative. I think we go back and we have to really explain what is the cybersecurity landscape and then talk in real terms about consequences. So if I'm talking to a superintendent, I have to make it real for them, their public opinion, right? Their, their bond ratings. If I'm talking to CFOs, the same thing. If I'm talking to teachers, I have to make the consequences real for those people and stop talking in these you know, K-12 is under attack and, you know, one in three districts are being attacked. I think we've become numb to it. So we have to change the narrative. You know, Josh, I'd also like to add that we used to recommend that the CIO needs to be a cabinet level position, needs to report to the superintendent. Sure. I've changed that because sometimes IT is so buried in the organization that it's really just a break fix shop. And so they hired somebody to do a break-fix job. They're not a strategy person. They're not really good, perhaps, dealing with a lot of other people. They're kind of Superman. Tell me what your problem is. I'll, I'll get there, or I'm going to clean up on aisle three. And so we don't need that personality in the strategic conversations with your CFO or your chief finance person, your chief ac academic person. It needs a different type of temperament. Maybe that's the C CTO. And there's a CIO or another person that has a strategic connection with the organization so that they can explain in a non-technical way sure. yep. why this is important. Why, you know, on our, on our Friday calls, uh, one of the school districts was having a problem with their, their video cameras. The, the school police went out and bought some cameras, put them in, didn't let IT know. Uh, and it, it caused a major problem. And, and, uh, the CIO then went and did a, search on what the the uh password is to get in when you set up the system and found out they the security people didn't change that so he was able to get, to get access oh, sure well, the, the school police was doing something good but they're not thinking of it from an it person and when we brought that up on friday several of the it leaders did it and they found that a lot of the school districts have that exact same problems and it, it could be the security systems it could be point of sale it could be the heating and cooling systems. They just don't have an IT perspective, and therefore, it becomes a big threat for everyone in the district. So, humor me here. How does this scale down? You know, when when I when you guys are talking, I, I'm thinking big shop, um, a CTO, a CIO, and you have that that chief technical guy who is a technical guy, and then you have that the other guy that can explain it to the to the masses in a human humanly manner. Um, and not necessarily a broke fix guy, but like my shop, I'm relatively small compared to you guys. I'm, I'm minuscule compared to the places you have been. I've got 3,300 students and I have three IT employees, including myself. Um, and I think a lot of the listeners that we have, especially here in Missouri, they are small shops. So how do you, how do you scale that conversation down 
so that it fits in a small shop. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and when I was with uh, Albuquerque, um, it was, I think it was 90,000 students when I was there. And then I went to Santa Fe and I think there are around 10,000 students and we've done it re- uh, uh, reviews for one or two it leaders at, in a, in a school. A okay. school. Yeah. So there's, there's strengths and challenges on both sides, right? You've got, you've got these big urban centers that, that can't fill the positions they have. Um, and so they're sitting vacant or they don't, or they, they don't have any cybersecurity, uh, effort because it hasn't been funded. So it's other duty, duties that is uh, described. And there's a lot of communication gap between what I can say and how do I reach all the principals and directors, et cetera. On the other hand, when I was in Santa Fe, I could, I could call every principal in the morning and have a conversation. So my line of communication, my ability to partner with them and strategically help them move forward was easier, but I didn't have the technical staff. I couldn't hire. They weren't even in the community. They might not have been within 300 miles of, of some of my remote communities. And so that, that becomes all the more important to have a network of people. So you're not inventing the solution yourself, having some partnerships with some vendors that are aware of your infrastructure, or maybe it's a retainer kind of a thing so that they can come in or they manage that aspect of your, uh, of your, uh, program and a lot of states have uh, some of them call them BOCES or or regional cooperatives or places where you can be a part of a, a network of people so that you don't have to have the the skills of of all of those different uh, expertise areas uh, underneath your hat. You've got other people that can give you a hand and um, grow this out. Lenny, would you add something to that? Yeah, you know, I want to I want to feed off of that a little bit because, you know, when I was in Houston, so we were 230,000 students when I was there. Um, One of the things that I did was I established these strategic partnerships. Right. So every year I was getting a risk assessment and these people became the hired guns for me. Right. They knew my infrastructure. And they were on the ready when and if I had an incident. And Tom and I were talking about this. You know, when you have an incident, your team is frazzled, right? They're flustered. They're frazzled. They're not going to be thinking straight. So your ability to bring in some outside expertise, I think, is really critical. I think that same thing holds true for smaller school systems, right? So I think these external partnerships, it doesn't matter what size you are. I think from a cybersecurity perspective, they're really critical um, because they become that that center of calmness, those experts that can come in when, when it's hit the fan and they can really help your teams get through it. And I think it's, like I said, I don't, I don't think it matters what size you are. I think the day and age we're in right now, you have to start establishing those external partnerships. Let's talk about extreme networks really quick. Uh, I'm going to post uh, an article, a video uh, about Jefferson College's success with extreme networks. Uh, and you can reach out to, and I'll post his email address, Dominic Mayer. Uh, if you're into networking, looking at new switches, all that kind of stuff, check out extreme networks. And Scott said something that I think is key um, in your last interview. Um, this isn't a tech problem. (laughs) Uh, As long as it remains a tech problem, then schools are going to fail. They're not going to be prepared uh, because we don't have authority off over the instructional side or the operational side or the financial side. 
and the threat can come in from uh, several vectors. So I, I think from Scott's perspective, and I think if you if you had the question, you know now what you, what you if you knew then what you know now, what would you do different? Uh, I think Scott said and mentioned a cross-functional team where the finance officer understands the threat to finance is a threat to the budget, the threat to paying bills. The instructional person understands the threat. So you're looking comprehensively at that problem as opposed to it's the two or three people that you have in your in your organization that are, are dedicated to IT. It really needs to be something bigger than that. I was speaking at the COO conference, the Chief Operational Officers Conference for the Council of Great City Schools just a couple of weeks ago. And I had I had asked these people, and some of them managed the IT, uh, IT reports underneath them. And I said, you know, do you guys have fire drills? And they all said yes. And do you practice those in, a, in the schools, in the classrooms? Yes. And do you, do you have people there taking metrics, maybe timing how long it takes? Do you have uh, drills for tornadoes or, or some uh, uh, person on campus and the school leadership, the site leadership owns that and they're involved and active. And then I asked how many of you had a fire in a school in the last couple of years and one school district representing, and there were thousands of school district uh, schools represented in this meeting. One district had one school that had a fire over the weekend or something like that. And, I, and, and it's important to have those drills, but we could attack uh, on cybersecurity every single day. And then they go to the one or two or three IT people and say, why is this broken? Why don't you fix it? And it's impossible, just like it would be impossible for one person in charge of making sure everybody was ready for a fire at their building to do all that all on their own. So if we don't take an enterprise approach and if we don't help the, the executives in the school district understand that this is their problem, and unless we take individual responsibility to make sure this doesn't happen, it's just never going to be done, uh, regardless of whether you're a, a large urban school district or a very small one yeah. school uh, school system. Yeah. No, and, and Josh, too, I mean, thinking through what, what Tom and Lenny are talking about, one of the things that the small districts have such a huge advantage of is that you can put everybody in your in your district into one room, yeah. which is it, it just cannot happen in the larger districts. We have to rely on chains of communication and, and multi layers of communication and communication is absolutely critical and, and necessary. But in the small districts, it's easier. Uh, it is easier to walk down the hallway, make relationships with folks. Uh, and if you need to put every staff member into one room, uh, which just can't happen and, for us. And to give you an idea, I can literally walk to every building on my campus. Like my entire campus is within walking distance. So that that gives you an idea. Yes, I can go walk and visit that principal and the other principal and the other principal all within about 20 minutes. Yeah, and the challenge is it, it, as bad as it was for L.A. with all of the technical staff that they have and they still get penetrated, um, here you are one person taking on a whole nationally sponsored cyber attack. Right, right. It, uh, it's it's an insurmountable problem if it's going to be only the school system that, that's going to address it. It has to be the state. It has to be the yeah. community. It has to be federal resources uh, that is, is much more uh, available. You know, L.A. Caught, uh, gets hit and they've got Homeland Security and the FBI and the Department of Education and the, all of these major businesses, cybersecurity leads are swarmed in to address that problem. 
well, what do you do when you're on a campus that you can walk to every school yeah. in 15 minutes? Like you're not going to get that kind of a response, yet you still have the same level of threat. And responsibility. The, yeah, the, and responsibility. The, the, funny, yeah. the funny thing about that L.A. story, I remember reading it in an article, and and I, I'm sure it was probably tongue-in-cheek, but they said, yeah, they picked up the phone and called the White House. And it's like, man, to have the kind of power to be able to pick up the phone and call the White House and say, I need help, um, that, that would be an interesting position to be in. Would it not? That's a that's a blessing and a curse, though. Oh, sure. Right? That's right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's to be careful what you ask for sure. kind of a thing. Yeah. I think actually uh, Suhail, the current CIO of L.A., one of his famous quotes is, you know, when when they win or when they award a bid to a vendor, it's congrats. You've you've won L.A. USD as a customer. But the bad news is you've won L.A. USD as a customer. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let me cut in really quick and talk about provision data solutions. Uh, they can help you with your wireless, your networking, your VLAN, DHCP, DNS, all that kind of stuff and beyond. They can help you get your servers going. Provision Data Solutions. You can email Ryan R at provisionds.com. So what what should back back to the interview with Scott from Albuquerque? Um, what should other districts be paying attention to? So that response by their IT department and and quite frankly, Scott's response, because that's been some of the feedback that i've gotten from from tech directors and cios was like holy cow this superintendent gets it like he he's one of us he's got it's back what should other districts be paying attention to both from the the way that their it department responded and the way that their superintendent responded so scott didn't know the threat uh, profile of his district. He didn't know how much risk. I mean, that he he had their back because he didn't know. I mean, sure. I, and, and you know, one of, I just one of the things I really appreciate appreciate about Scott is he got out of the way. He, he 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 let the IT team, and then his job was to make sure people stayed off their back so they get this problem solved. Um, he spent time doing the work that he was a better expert in, and so he doesn't have this ego that needs to get out in front of the community and say, I'm in control, we're going to be back up in an hour, or this vendor or this system or this equipment went down and we got it fixed. And they they are falsely putting an image that they're leading the problem, which just leads to a whole bunch more. And that, that wasn't Scott. Um, he, he had a quote that said in the paper, um, it should be very clear to everyone that somebody intentionally, aggressively, and very publicly tried to harm our school community. We have to assume that entity is still watching our every move. And they, the media, and it, they just backed off and they let, mm. they let the, 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 the uh, professionals take care of the problem. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're able to respond so quickly and get back up. So it wasn't that he's a, a good IT supporter in the, in the sense of he, he gets it. He got that he didn't know it. And he, he, he was a good leader, and he led the organization the right way so the IT team could, could take a, uh, uh, take the time to get this thing done. And you know that they're working 24-7 trying to solve that to, to get this fixed. They're just Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, you, that's where you, I saw him being real impressive. So Lenny and, and Tom, you, you travel around the country and talk to CIOs, but you also talk to superintendents. What are, what are some of the things that you, you – tell superintendents about and and things that they need to pay attention to or you know if if somebody's not scott what are you going to say to them 
Well, the, and I'll start out, and, and Lenny does a lot of work through uh, district administrator because he leads that in FC, FETC. So he's got a, a really strong venue. But this is a leadership issue. And I think the first thing is you cannot, you not, you can't check off a lot of boxes and say we've got a cybersecurity plan or that we're safe. Um, it's it's going to be a hopeless endeavor unless you've got leadership saying we take ownership of it. Uh, and so having the ability for the 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 uh, cabinet to say we own this and we're going to do it, and then the IT to lay out or help lay out a, a plan that's going to then put in the steps that are necessary to prevent and also respond once a uh, event happens. I think if you don't catch the leadership part of this, the rest of it is just, it isn't going to be able to uh, be effective for you in, in fighting cybersecurity. Lenny has an opportunity to speak and lead uh, conversations around cybersecurity. So uh, Lenny, uh, this would be a great question for you. Yeah, you know, I think um, I'm going to go back to the, the comment I made about the narrative. When I'm talking to superintendents and I have a, a, a very specific cybersecurity presentation that I give to them, one of the things that, that I make them think about is when an event happen, who happens, who's going to be at the microphone? And, you know, every one of them sit back and they're like, well, it's going to be me. And then I ask them some questions. You know, if, if, if you're going to be at the microphone, questions are going to be, you know, what what has your district done to be prepared? What is your district doing to remedy? And they can't answer the questions, right? So again, when I'm talking about changing the narrative, we have to make it real for them. And the minute I put it into that context, I have their attention, right? Um, and, and then we start talking about what are the critical things that need to happen, right? That, you know, your IT department could get $5 million today, and that doesn't put you in any better position than you are right now, because it's that one user hitting that one click, and you're done. So what are you doing from an awareness perspective? The other thing that I think I've, I've really seen pick up momentum this year is talking about the consequences and enforcement of awareness programs. I think people are really good at putting awareness programs in, but they're not monitoring and managing it to see, are we getting better, right? Um, Project Tomorrow has a really interesting survey. They've done it two years in a row now, specifically on cybersecurity, and they focus on how, what's the awareness level for IT people and what's the awareness level for district administrators and board members, um, and it's shocking to see the, you know, the difference, right? IT has it rated really high. Board members and, and, um, administrators still 30, 40% of saying, yeah, this is an important issue. So we still have to change that narrative around why it's a district, a district level problem and making it real for those superintendents, putting them in the reality of you're going to be the one answering the questions. Can you answer the questions? If you can't, what are you going to do? I can remember for myself years ago, we had a legit phishing deal. This link was going around, tons of staff clicking on it. Terrible thing. And we figured out it was 10, 12 uh, employees that had clicked on that link. Well, then, so then we start doing phishing test campaigns. Uh, those tests, we had the same people clicking the link. Uh, and then I brought that to leadership and it, it it didn't do anything. There was no like, hey, we had that bad thing happen. Now we do these tests 
we're having the same issues. The same people are going to click the link. And, and like you're saying, there was no, it was still a tech problem. Right, right. There was no consequence to it, right? You know, Chris, think- uh, you probably have the same five or six people that don't get their data stuff in, their budgets in on time. They, they got gotten their rosters uh, or, or schedule built. For this. I don't know what it is, but there's a 20% of your your team is is causing eighty percent of the problem, yeah. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's clicking on the link or are you going to get your budget in on time. They seem to be the same folks. I I and, and to Chris's point, so I, I'm kind of struggling with that right now too. We've we've done phishing tests for probably three four years now. Well, but since before COVID, and this year for whatever reason, my phishing rate is awful, and it, it's ticked down just a hair since the start of the school year, but now we're ticking back up again. And I, I historically, I, I made an agreement with the superintendent at the time that we're going to do these fishing exercises and it is not going to be a, um, a punishment or a, aha ha, got you type thing. I'm going to celebrate the people that identify it. And, you know, I, at one time I went around and gave out bags of Swedish fish to people as a reward for reporting it to the help desk as a joke. I mean, Swedish fish are those little crackers that are orange? Yeah. The, they're little gummy fish that are kind of uh, red. Yeah, no one likes those, Josh. That, that was supposed to be a, That was an incentive. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Oh, so you're saying? Oh, come on, Tom. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like if you click the link, you didn't get the Swedish fish. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're clicking, Josh. It should be. I don't want the Swedish fish. Come you should. On. You should give out yeah, licorice. Josh, I think that went differently in your head, right? I think that went differently in your head. How, how about how about licorice? Right. If you didn't click the link, you get the red licorice. If you did, you get the black licorice. So, so I'm kind of at at this point. Oh no, he's one of those guys. Never mind. He likes the black licorice. No, I don't like black licorice. Yeah, I don't like licorice. But anyway, do you do you like do you personally like Swedish fish? Oh yeah, love them. Okay, just to bring this back, I do think it's important. I know Mark has done this in his district. You start out with a proactive response. You're you're talking about the number of people and how it's getting better and better. Right. You right. rewarding the first people that can find that phishing attack. You can always go back to that twenty percent of folks that are always going to screw it up. But then you, you, if you can turn this into a positive thing, then um, it's going to be adopted a lot better than a punitive thing. That sure. Have a punitive. That there is a a, a a reactive. You know, people that are doing it wrong and then you've got it you do have to have consequences but i think you got to be able to monitor and you also have to be able to 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 tie this into a comprehensive training program going back to that fire drill they did something every month to practice um how to do this so how do we tie the training and 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 awareness program together so that and then and then the people that are going to evaluate the people that are they're involved and understand why this is a critical threat to their work. Yeah. So I think it's more comprehensive than, than the, the fishing program. It's an ongoing training and development. I think there's classes that, in incorporating it with the curriculum with the students. And by doing that, you also get the teachers engaged in why is it, they know the why of the problem. And so it's a, it's a more comprehensive approach to this training and development um, that has to happen. And again, two or three people in a district can't do it. It's got to be owned by principals and by teachers. Yeah. 
within the organization to be effective. Yeah, you know, the, the awareness campaigns, a lot of times when Tom and I go into school systems and we ask them about their awareness campaign, they say, yeah, you know, we have just like airborne pathogen, we have the cybersecurity session at the beginning of the year. That's not an awareness program, right? That's that's one and done doesn't get it. So, you know, I think going off of what Tom said, this has to be something that's monthly. You know, one of the things when I was in Houston, um, every time the superintendent brought principals together, which was once a month, you know, we had a cyber session, a cyber, you know, something on cybersecurity. We had uh, monthly awareness programs that were going out to principals. We were putting it into our learning management system so teachers could incorporate it in. So, you know, it has to be something that's in front of them all the time so that there's that awareness that continues to grow. And then you have to monitor and manage. Are we getting better? If we're not getting better, why? What do we need to do to change? It, And I feel lucky right now, you know, school safety has has kind of reinvigorated in our area. Unfortunately, we had a school shooting in our area not long ago, um, less than a month or so ago. And and school safety is back at the top of the list, um, kind of reinvigorated that conversation. And I, I will say that cyber is in that discussion already. Like my, my district leadership completely understand that, you know, school shootings are horrible. We need to train for that. But so is so are cyber events. They are horrible. Yeah. They can impact schools for periods of time. And we need to train for those as well. So we've we've started that discussion of tabletop exercises, just like we do for active shooter drills and fire drills. Like you mentioned, um, it, it seems like we're getting headway to, to start doing some of those cyber tabletops as well. So I feel lucky in that regard. Well, well congratulations. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the ransomware, that's one aspect of this cyber threat that we're facing. But once they steal that student data, we've got students whose identities have been stolen. And all of a sudden, you've got a third grade student that has a, a car loan. Yeah. Uh, because somebody stole their identity. You've got we've got federal and state rules that say we have to protect that. So you open yourself up to lawsuits because even if you pay the ransom, that doesn't mean they don't sell your data to, to other folks. So this this data privacy issue is is very critical. I mean, who wants to have their anybody that's had their identity stolen knows the nightmare that that is, and, right? Which is kind of strange. Here we are. Uh, you know, I've got my my bank does multi factor and and uh, my insurance program. Anything that has to do with money or investments, all of those things have lots of security. And I'm glad they do. They let me know any time there's anything that might be going or logging on to a new computer. And our businesses did that not because it's cheap, because it's important. Yet here we are, leaders of school districts that are some of the biggest organizations within the community. Your your school district is probably every bit as big as your city. Yeah. Uh, you probably have more people and staff than your city. Yet we as leaders of the of the district aren't putting the same level of protection on the data and information of the students and staff that we have. It, it, and it's it's mind-boggling to me that we would allow that much risk uh, to our community, which we're charged to protect, and just assume it's not going to happen to us. It's just not a great plan for success. Yeah, yeah. that's that convenience. Convenience was first, right? That's, Absolutely. that's the whole problem. Yeah, and when you have, you know, organizations or groups that, that are willing to kind of dig their heels in and, and fight against some of that organizational change, like multi-factor authentication or, or phishing exercises. Um, it's unfortunate that the, some of that stuff does turn into a fight. Um, 
but I think more and more school districts are, are winning that, you know, here in, here in Missouri, um, Missouri's, I, I found this summer, Missouri is sort of weird. I was at a, at the, um, MSI SAC conference in Baltimore and there was a, a K-12 strand and I, I attended most of those K-12 sessions and one of them was about cyber insurance and everybody in the room except me, um, was saying how they were all going out and soliciting cyber insurance bids on their own as an individual school district. And I was kind of surprised by that because in Missouri, it's kind of done as a consortium. There, there's uh, the majority of the school districts in the state are members of this group, and they they organize that insurance and they underwrite the insurance. Um, but that was a long roundabout way to say that insurance company is is changing some of the rules now to be covered under cyber insurance in Missouri. You have to do seven things, and one of those things is MFA. And I think that's driving... Um, that's going to make that conversation easier for school districts to say, yeah. look, we don't have a choice. If, if we want to continue to have insurance, we have to do this now. So thankfully, that's being taken out of the hands of the districts a little bit. Yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, talking about this becoming a, a enterprise awareness thing means that we need to have the cybersecurity effort. I We, we Lenny and I promote uh, creating these cross-functional uh, cybersecurity governance teams or or teams, and the CIO doesn't need to be the lead of it. I mean, the, the threat to the finance, which your insurance is probably under, is a huge deal. The, the CFO can lead the cybersecurity. Uh, uh, it could be the CAO, but don't be the I. Don't say it's your job and then take all the responsibility. Create this cross uh, departmental team. Have each of them understand the risk from their part of this to uh, as a threat to the organization, and I think Scott was was talking about besides this is everybody's responsibility. When the CFO, CAO, and CIO come to to him and say we need funding for this, it's a no brainer. They find the funding for it. It's when the departments, to your point, Josh, are arguing against each other. Well, I need for this, and I need it for something else, and. There's there's no movement. That's when the superintendent is lost. How do I make a decision between these competing executives within the organization? So that that cross-functional team is a way to kind of build that ownership that they have some standards that they have adopted and they're measuring and enforcing those standards across the organization. So there are a lot of folks that are listening to this saying, sounds great, uh, but I'm competing against health and safety, I'm competing against physical safety, I'm competing against crumbling buildings. How do we as technology leaders stand out above the rest, especially when we have not gone through, many districts have not gone through an incident to show the importance of cyber safety? Lenny, I'm gonna give you a, a shot because I've been going on and on. I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around the sweetest fish. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think you have to start with the basics, right? And and it's hard for you to get attention when you don't know what you don't know. And so for any district out there, what we tell them to do is you have to get a risk assessment done, a comprehensive risk assessment so you understand where the gaps and the risks are. It's at that point that you have the opportunity to start a conversation, Right. So if I don't have anything other than cybersecurity is really important and I need a bag of money, I'm not going to get the attention. But if I can get the risk assessment done that I can sit down with the CFO and the superintendent 
and have this independent third party come in and tell me and tell us what your risks are. Now I start to get attention, right? Because it's not me saying it anymore. It's this independent third party who's coming in. And when they use words like catastrophic risk, right? That gets the attention. Now, I find it really interesting that a lot of technology leaders out there are threatened by these risk assessments because they don't want anybody to call their baby ugly. And we got to change the mentality. If I'm a CIO, I want my baby as called as ugly as it can possibly be because <laughs> that's my security blanket. That is my security blanket. So, you know, Mark, it has to start with that risk assessment because that's what I can sit down with the CFO and superintendent and say, this is where we're sitting. The other thing it does is it takes the opportunity for anybody to come back should an event happen and say, well, if we would have known, we surely would have fixed, which is what we hear all the time, right? So if I'm that CIO, I'm going to sit down with my CFO superintendent with the risk assessment, independent third party, telling them what the risks are. And then at that point, it's a district decision on whether they remediate or not. Either way, I'm not being run up the flagpole when something happens. So let me let me ask you real quick, Lenny, on that. As a risk assessment, Mark and I were talking about this before we started tonight. Would you consider like an internal pen test to be a good way to get that information or no? No, I think a pen test is an element of a risk assessment. Okay. But I don't think a pen test is that when I'm talking about a risk assessment, you know, I'm I'm talking about they come in and they look at processes, they look at policies, they look at awareness, they look at your systems, right? right? They look at it from from soup to nuts. That's what has to happen because, you know, the pen test again, that is viewed as an IT problem. Right. That is isolated to IT. What sure. I want is I want to be able to bring in this independent third party and say cybersecurity at the enterprise level. Here is where you're being successful. And here is where you have some catastrophic risks from a culture standpoint. More or less. Yes. Well, uh, from a culture standpoint, but but it's having a comprehensive plan. When you do a risk assessment, it says you're vulnerable in these, or not a risk, when you do a pen test, it says here's where you're, we got in, here's where your, your gaps are. But, uh, there's different types of pen tests. We get some vendors that are selling something that say, let me do a kind of a pen test light or, or a risk assessment light. And it doesn't, isn't comprehensive. So you, you fill up this hole and you fill up this hole, but you got all these other holes that are just leaking, like the, uh, the, the, the video camera conversation where people are coming in through, Lax packs words on a on a on a uh, a video camera or a point of sales or the heating and cooling. So you you need to have a comprehensive assessment and plan, and then build a plan, not just fix the things that are broken, because that doesn't help for the future. It just helps you for today, right? So you're really fixing the stuff that was already known. You're not proactively stopping the things that are coming down the pike. So it's important for you to not only have this. CIOs, we, we're seeing that most districts don't have, haven't adopted a, a cybersecurity framework. They haven't adopted, therefore they haven't implemented. We do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. That, that means you don't have a comprehensive uh, 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 strategy. You also then don't have a dedicated team. And how would you tell the superintendent that you don't have a dedicated team if you haven't looked, see how bad, how ugly your baby was? Uh, so the, the, 
the ability to have these comprehensive third-party assessments are to say, we need resources to fix this problem. Now, I don't know if you could ever fix Lenny's ugly baby, but <laughs> there might be some ways, there might be some ways that you could put together uh, a, a comprehensive strategy. Most of the districts don't even have a cybersecurity plan. They don't have a framework adopted, they don't have a plan, and they don't have anybody dedicated. Uh, and that's all on the IT side. I mean, of the other things about policy. So if we don't get our shop straightened away, how can we expect the rest of the organization? So, the, so the, the pen test is the result, right? So the pen test is saying, I was able to get into this system and this system and this system, and you left the default password on here, and here's all the data I stole. What we're talking about here is what are the structures and systems that allow that to take place? Yes. What are the procurement mechanisms that you have in your district to make sure that when someone's buying a new system, a new camera system or something, it's following secure protocols. It's following IT security protocols. Exactly. And, that's where, and that's where the smaller districts have an advantage because I have a pretty good pulse on who's buying a system. Whereas I'm sure you know, at Houston, when you were there, and, and Mark, where you are now, I, I can't imagine trying to wrap my arms around who's buying what, when, and what systems are being looked at. You know, it, I could see that being impossible. We're in the process of going, of rolling out DMARC. It's a fascinating example of, you know, if you were to, if you were to roll out DMARC in your district, or if you are, if you haven't already, what are the systems out there that are going to spoof your email domain, right? You have to know what's in your district that's sending out emails with your, your domain name. For you guys, you could probably do that in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Large think... districts are spending weeks and weeks and months trying to figure out who bought what? Yeah. <laughs> it's what? <laughs> yeah, that's a great example of the difference, though. I mean, I know that Josh and I could sit and, like, and I, we can even compare quick notes and, like, he, yeah. he may have taken a day, but he just shares his notes with me and I can knock it out in a couple hours. Yeah. And then you're talking about it, Mark, and you're like, it's going to be this big project. <laughs> yeah, it's, a very, like, it's a very what? big uh, difference right. between us. Right. Yeah. But it, it's, it, it has to go with communication and, and these structures that lead to your deficiencies in the pen test. I want to circle back real quick to this, to this, assess, this risk assessment because one of the things, and, and Tom kind of touched on a that it provides you a multi-year roadmap for cybersecurity where it doesn't give the impression that it's a one and done. I'll give you guys a million dollars and then we're good from a cybersecurity perspective. It, it gives you the opportunity to say, here's what we're going to fix this year. And, and we're, we're taking on the risk because we're not fixing everything. Year two, we're going to fix this. Year three, we're going to fix this. So you, you have this scheduled fiscal projection that says, here is what we're investing in cybersecurity, which is so important, right? Because so many districts out there think that this is a one-time budget and it's not. This is this needs to be something that's considered like fuel for your buses. This is a cost of doing business and we need to have an allocation for it every single year. And it's likely going to increase every single year. And I think this is why it's important to be able to have an effective communication strategy and effective metrics that you can measure your progress. So having conversations with your board in closed session, not an open <laughs> session, not publishing what filter you're using and any other uh, security related uh, measures and be able to keep that, here's where we are and we're getting better. Here's where the pen test 
was you're not going to go into the all of the the detail that's in that technical pen test but you can start talking about here's how we know here's how you could be confident that we're getting better we're never going to be perfect we're never going to be put something put something out there that can stop just like you can't have your your school discipline policy stop fights but you can respond to them when they happen so you want to be able to put this comprehensive strategy bring that board in so they recognize Lenny and I have done IT reviews and then come and talk with the board about their vulnerabilities um, and why they need to invest in having a CISO or a team that is going to be looking at their cyber threats, about having funding, the risk that they're putting their organization from a financial perspective. And I think part of my job is to build a bridge and then me get over it. I need to be able to articulate clearly enough to my CFO so they understand that this is a threat, it's a problem that needs to be prioritized. And go to my chief academic officer and have that same conversation. And then go to my uh, operations folks and have that same conversation. But each one of those conversations is a little bit different. Exactly. Because it tells them what their threat is, as opposed to this is an IT thing and you guys should invest in it. Let's talk about managed methods really quick. A proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. I'm going to put this link into the podcast description. Uh, they have a cybersecurity and safety survey. It's like a white paper. It's a download. Uh, it was with managed methods and some EdWeek Research Center stuff. Uh, really good talking about cybersecurity. Um, so we've we've taken almost an hour of your time tonight, guys. Give you, I guess, a couple more minutes and, and closing thoughts or if if the person listening to this if they could do one thing tomorrow to help their posture or, or low hanging to address low hanging fruit, what would be the one thing you guys would say to go in and check or do tomorrow morning? Hmm. So I, I have a couple. I mean, I, I think the first thing we, we've talked about, do you, do you have a group of people that are your advisory for your cybersecurity or is it you and if that's if it is you then what steps are you going to take to bring and it might be having lunch with one other person maybe it's just your procurement director but start building the relationships to start to bring together an understanding that this is a an enterprise uh issue and if i don't have your help then we all fail right so the, having that cross-functional team i think I'd be, if you don't know about the different frameworks that are out there for cybersecurity, I'd get to uh, to know that there's a lot of resources from the uh, CIS that you could start to be involved in. Third, I would, I would get myself associated with organizations that are dealing with cybersecurity. COSIN has a lot of paperwork, but get into that network of people. So just like with you and Chris, uh, Josh and Chris, you guys can talk and do something and I can benefit from that. There's other people in that network. And I think the last thing is invest in Swedish fish. Um, <laughs> and, and just to tie, just to tie it into last week's, I think I would go green. There you well, go. Uh, oh boy. The, the Swedish fish. Yeah. That, did that green chili cheeseburger not sound amazing the way he was describing it? Oh, you oh, only had one. Oh, I, I, <laughs> it, it's not one. <laughs> yeah, there's also green chili cheese. There's also green chili cheese fries. Oh, which those were my. I lived in Albuquerque for a year and a half. Those were my favorite. 
Oh, yeah. you can put cheese on. You can put green chili in. I mean, that's that's exactly yeah, exactly. It's good. All right. So the the only thing I would add on to what Tom said because a lot of what we talked about um, requires some time, effort, involves culture, right? So it's going to take sure. a little bit of time. The one thing that I would say for everybody out there, um, you need to to start looking at what is your incident response because that is the one thing that bites every school district right in the butt when they don't have a good one they have the wrong people telling the wrong story at the wrong time and i think everybody needs to understand what you say matters and when you say it matters and some things you can't take back so for everybody out there listening to this you know all the things we talked about to build the culture and the strategy start working on that immediately Figure out what your incident response is, not just for your IT team, but how is information going to roll up to your school board? How is it going to roll up to your superintendent? Who's doing the talking? And what's that protocol look like? That's what gets everybody in trouble. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Until they get punched in the mouth, and then they don't. (laughs) On that note, next week we are interviewing two CIOs from large districts about the cyber plan development process and some of the tips that they can give us into what does that mean. So a really good segue and really good ending from Lenny about how to build that plan, how to start to build that plan. We've we've learned about the importance of that. We've learned about some of the, the leadership structures that need to come in play. And then next week we'll learn about, or two weeks from now, we'll learn about how to do it. Yeah, Don Wolf and Idris, uh, great people. I mean, those are some phenomenal leaders in IT. Yeah. Right. Well, you guys are as well. So thank you so much, Josh. Close this out. Oh, sure. I yeah, we appreciate your time tonight, guys. Um, and and I don't half of what Mark, if half of what Mark says about both of you is true, it sounds like you're pretty fantastic individuals and and uh, yeah, and we don't know if he's credible yet. Yeah, yeah. He, he might be full of it too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I start from that premise with Mark, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, thank you very much for the opportunity, and thank you for for putting this on the forefront, guys. It's it's a really important topic, and and you're doing some good work here. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. You Thank betcha. You.